The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we're going to sort of close out the Cancun cruise fiasco a little bit later in the show. But to talk about sort of good things that came out of this horrible situation in Texas, we have a remarkable situation in the United States where a Democratic New York congresswoman seems to be better representing the interests of Texas uh, residents than their own actual Republican U.S. Senator Ted Cruz. I'm talking about Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, as well as Texas Democrat Beto O'Rourke and other Democrats who came together. And while Ted Cruz was flying back and forth to Cancun, Mexico, appearing on the Sean Hannity program to give conflicting and bizarre explanations about uh, exactly why he thought it was a good idea at any point to go to Cancun in the midst of storms and power outages afflicting his state. In the midst of all that, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez uh, took to Twitter to announce a fundraising effort. Within two hours, she raised three hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. By yesterday morning, she and Beto O'Rourke and others had raised more than four million dollars. And there's a good chance that by the time you listen to today's show and watch this clip, she will have raised five million or more dollars for Texas victims of these storms and power outages. She also didn't just do online fundraising. She actually went down to fill uh, food boxes at a Houston food bank with uh, representatives Sylvia Garcia and Al Green and Sheila Jackson Lee. And in the midst of all of this insanity with Texas politicians who voted against Hurricane Sandy aid, but that said, give us the Texas aid now for the power outages and flew to Cancun and back and said, oh, the girls wanted to go on a trip. It is Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, supposedly enemy number one for a lot of these Republicans who has actually put boots on the ground, for lack of a better term, raised money got food boxes together for people unable to get food. Um, and again, when you are a Texas voter and you see that a Democratic congresswoman from another state is doing more for you than your own senator, um, it really should make you reconsider whether you are represented by the best people. And I sent out a couple of tweets about this. I tweeted over the weekend, have Ted Cruz, Greg Abbott and others thanked AOC for her huge fundraising for Texas victims of the storms and power outages. As of this moment, they have not. But I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they sort of feel obligated to put together some kind of perfunctory thank you to all of those who have helped us in our relief efforts. Um, also, I tweeted this morning, the Texas fundraising story is crazy. It genuinely seems like AOC and Beto O'Rourke haven't embezzled any of the money nor put their families on staff to funnel cash to them, something that became basically standard operating procedure under the Trump administration. Donald Trump putting everybody from Lara Trump to who knows who else on his campaign staff, paying them one hundred and eighty grand a year and so on and so forth. Now, what just one other side story with the insanity of this, not only have AOC and Beto O'Rourke done more for Texas than has Ted Cruz. 
Ted Cruz ended up desperately attempting a PR a photo op where he was putting uh, packages of bottled water in the trunks and vehicles of Texans. And it's like th there's no more pathetic attempt to make up for his flying to Cancun than to be photographed handing out water. But that raised another question. Why isn't Ted Cruz in quarantine right now? Ted Cruz flew to Mexico and then flew back the next day. Was he tested in Mexico in the 20 hours or 18 hours that he was there? Do we know for sure that Ted Cruz is not potentially positive for coronavirus right now? Shouldn't he be and and absent a coronavirus test quarantining right now rather than out and about? Like we may never know the answers to these questions. Uh, and of course, we were all asking, wait a second. He went he had kid uh, Ted Cruz admits that he had a bunch of his uh, daughter's friends over for dinner the day before going to Cancun and then he went to Cancun and then he flew back the next day. Is he being tested at any point during this? Is he adhering to the protocols about requiring tests to go to Mexico to come back to Mexico by the United States? We just have no idea and we may never even get answers to these questions, but their questions we're not ignoring. Is it some kind of exception for senators? I don't know. But we should be getting answers to this. And of course, with Ted Cruz, as with many of these people, it's yeah, sure. These are the rules, but not for me. And uh, that seems to apply, unfortunately, to many of our leaders. And it's not just Republicans that that's the case uh, with. But we will uh, talk a little bit more about the Ted Cruz fiasco later on. We have to talk about Joe Biden's biggest broken promise so far. Now, many of you might think I'm going to talk about the lack of a covid stimulus bill so far, and that is quickly going in the failure direction. But we all knew that it could take some time to get it done. I do think enough time has gone by. It's time to get covid relief done without Republicans. Do it through budget reconciliation. And we've been talking about that. But in any case, what I believe is Biden's biggest failure so far is Joe Biden's failed promise on stopping the deportation of undocumented immigrants through these removal flights that were prevalent under Donald Trump until we can actually get immigration policy fixed. So first of all, what is going on? If you haven't been following the story, I understand you may not know what's going on. Joe Biden promised to stop deportations until immigration policy could be fixed. Now, he did try via an executive order. But unfortunately, a Trump appointed judge in Texas quickly blocked the Biden administration's executive order to do a 100 day deportation moratorium. And the deportations are happening just as they were happening under Donald Trump. Last week, ICE carried out 21 removal flights to six different countries. Now, it could be easy for some on the left. Maybe you're thinking this, David, hold on. Joe Biden did his executive order. He promised to do an executive order and he did. And a judge blocked it. Biden tried. His hands are tied. Sadly, in this case, that explanation just isn't good enough. The judge that blocked Joe Biden's halt to deportations blocked it on very specific legal grounds. And Joe Biden could immediately do another executive order or even multiple executive orders with different justifications that legal experts believe would be far more difficult for a judge to block. Without getting into all the details here, the gist of this is that 
because many of these deportations are happening under what's called Title 42. That's an entire swath of circumstances that could stop the deportations, because many legal experts and immigration advocates believe that Title 42 removals, which are all premised under the guise of stopping the spread of covid, removing people to stop the spread of covid. Many legal experts and immigration activists believe that those provisions are under uh, are against international refoulement laws, that they're not racially equitable. And each of these claims, of course, is its kind of own legal morass. But the point is that it's not nearly as simple as listen, Joe signed an executive order and a judge blocked it. And that's it. Uh, I believe that there's a huge moral urgency to do this. And if indeed it wasn't just one of a list of calculated promises that Joe Biden made, they need to just be cranking out executive order after executive order to get the deportation stopped. It is unlikely that there would be uh, uh, legal mechanisms to stop every single one of these justifications. And uh, I believe that it should be done now. How much longer until this is dealt with? What is acceptable? I think that we are beyond it. And so for me, this is Joe Biden's uh, biggest failure so far, followed closely behind the slow progress on the covid relief bill, which they need to get done. It, it, it needs to happen today and if not tomorrow. And it should have happened a couple of weeks ago. Republicans don't want to play ball. Let them vote against it. Pass it via budget reconcilia reconciliation. I've been talking about it for weeks now, uh, but I am not yet calling that the biggest failure. I believe the immigration failure is the biggest one so far. If you disagree with me or you agree or you're not sure, or you have some other failure that you think is the biggest failure so far, uh, let me know. You can find me on Twitter at Pacman. And again, if you're just going to email me and say, David, Joe Biden needs time. He promised to do this right away. He did the executive order. It was blocked. Many legal experts agree. Do another executive order with a different justification. This can be done. How committed to it is the Biden administration? We will soon see. Uh, find me on Twitter at dpacman. The David Pacman Show at davidpacman.com. I want to take a second to tell you about one of our sponsors, SNH Masks. SNH Masks has everything you need when it comes to face masks and other protective gear for COVID-19, and they're giving my audience 20% off. SNH Masks is the company that I've personally been going to for face masks. I love and trust the products they sell, and that's actually why I reached out to them about being a sponsor. I've tried tons of different face masks this year, like many of you, and I still have not found a mask that is more comfortable or easier to breathe in than the washable cotton masks that they sell. It's made of a silky lightweight cloth that feels great on the skin, has a convenient adjustable strap, they also have disposable cloth masks, which are really comfortable, as well as all of the other gear like face shields, alcohol wipes, no touch infrared thermometers. And all of their prices are very reasonable. I also love SNH masks because they've donated over 60,000 masks to healthcare institutions. They're an excellent company. Shipping is just five bucks and shipping is free on orders over one hundred and fifty dollars. You can get there by going to davidpackmancom slash mask. The link is in the podcast notes and you can save 20 percent on everything in their store when you use coupon code David. 
When you see me sitting here at the microphone, oftentimes I'm wearing a shirt by a company called Teddy Stratford, and I love these shirts so much that I asked Teddy Stratford to be a sponsor of the show. And here's why I like their shirts so much. With other slim fit button up shirts, you often get this weird looking gap between the buttons where it looks kind of stretched out. But Teddy Stratford actually has a patented zipper that's hidden underneath the buttons, which secures the shirt against your chest so it doesn't look stretched. And most importantly, it just provides a nicer looking fit overall. And the entire shirt is specially designed to really improve the way your upper body looks when you're wearing it. It also has a special type of collar that prevents it from drooping down and spreading open, which is another really great thing about these shirts. All of these things really do a lot to make a big difference when you're looking at a shirt. And that's why I like to wear Teddy Stratford shirts on the show. Go check them out at davidpackmancom slash Teddy. The link is in the podcast notes and they'll give you 15% off your first order. If you use the coupon code Pacman at checkout, that's P-A-K-M-A-N. The David Pakman Show at davidpackman.com. We are a viewer and listener funded show, and you can support us by grabbing a membership at joinpacman.com. Don't be shy. You'll also get instant access to the daily bonus show. Award winning awards we give out, sure, but still many of those awards have been won by the David Pakman Show bonus show. Grab a membership at joinpacman.com. So last week, we already discussed the story of Republican uh, senator from Texas, Ted Cruz, fleeing the United States for Mexico with his family when power outages and major storms hit Texas. And Ted Cruz, who vo uh, formerly voted against hurricane relief funding for Hurricane Sandy in New York and New Jersey, wanted immediate emergency funding for what happened in Texas. He asked for that funding hypocritically and then fled to Cancun, Mexico, to go to the beach. Now, because of the uproar that it caused, he cut his trip short and flew back to Texas, not even 24 hours later. And there are endless calls for him to resign. And you just have to see how Fox News covered it to understand how these reactionary right wingers end up in seemingly alternate universes, imaginary alternate universes. I think it's important to say it was a combination of pretending it wasn't happening. What about ism and pretending that it's just no big deal. So let's look at some examples here. First, here is Fox and Friends defending Ted Cruz and saying, yeah, but what about Andrew Cuomo? 55 seconds. And uh, by the way, Chris Cuomo, who was allowed to interview his brother in times of good, back in the old days, uh, is not allowed anymore. He's calling on Ted Cruz to resign. Right. And yet, not a word about his brother who's, who's, who's got a scandal right. on his hands. It is an amazing double standard. It exposes exactly who they are the PR department of the Democrat Party. Uh, they're going after Ted Cruz because he's been an effective, consistent conservative for years. He may have made the wrong call. He acknowledges that. But the media, well, they, 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 they show who they are every time. It does look a little lopsided over on ABC. All right. I don't even know why Steve Ducey is talking about ABC there. I, maybe I, it looked to me like Pete Hegseth was attacking CNN. Maybe I missed something earlier about ABC. I'm not sure. But of course, the playbook is Ted Cruz did something completely indefensible and pathetic and humiliating. Well, attack the media, attack CNN, attack Andrew Cuomo, 
attack, attack Chris Cuomo. But hold on. This is about Ted Cruz. Why are we talking about those other people? Other approaches included coming up with long forgotten scandals to resuscitate. Like, for example, <laughs> they went back to Hillary. They put up a headline on Fox News about, quote, media and political elite mock Trump supporters with a picture of Hillary Clinton from a speech she gave in New York City five years ago in 2016. This is not a joke. They actually covered that as the Ted Cruz scandal was on fire. It reminds me of the scene from the movie The Naked Gun, where the great Leslie Nielsen is saying nothing to see here. Please disperse as a building is exploding behind him. That's actually what they were covering as everybody else was covering the disgusting disaster of the absence, literal absence from country of Texas leadership during their storms and power outages. And then while every network was continuing to cover what was going on in Texas and what was going on with Ted Cruz, Fox News decided to run an explosive story about Bill de Blasio, the New York City mayor, supporting outdoor socially distanced dance performances in New York City during the pandemic. Okay. So that's Fox News's coverage of Ted Cruz on Fox News. Now, understand that some other networks and some other right wing shows and other right wing media outlets, they didn't even talk about it at all. Fox and Friends went in on defending what Ted Cruz was doing. That's one approach. But there were many who were just talking about other things. They were talking about, uh, you, you know, J Joe Biden uh, and his dog, which we will get to a little bit later and all sorts of other non stories. And uh, we are seeing it before our very eyes in real time, the sort of uh, fermentation of germination of maybe what is likely to be the approach from right wing media for the next four years. And we've we've predicted it. We weren't unique in predicting it, that right wing media was going to be particularly crazy and weaponized in part because you have more rep, uh, competition right now in this right wing media space than you had four years ago for who can do the most cartoonish, crazy coverage to get away from criticizing anything the right does or to find new ways to criticize anything Joe Biden does. And we are seeing it and we're going to have some more examples a little bit later. But let's now get to an incredible interview that Ted Cruz gave to Sean Hannity. And that's what I want to discuss next. OK, so let's now get into the it's not even really a mea culpa interview that Ted Cruz gave to Sean Hannity on Fox News because he doesn't really say he did anything wrong other than saying I realized. I, I think he says, like, as he was getting on the plane to go to Cancun, convenient time to realize it that maybe the optics of the trip weren't quite so good. So let's get into Ted Cruz's various explanations for the misguided trip to Cancun last week. Again, to reset the story for you, Texas gets hit with uh, storms and cold, which causes power outages. Many Republicans try to blame frozen wind farms for the power outages. That's wrong. Most of the problem with power uh, with uh, electricity supply in Texas was caused by frozen instruments at nuclear power plants, at natural gas power plants and at coal power plants. Yes, some windmills froze. Mostly the problem was the fossil fuels and the nuclear. And of course, the reason for this is not because wind farms and nuclear and coal and gas can't produce power in cold weather. 
It's because Texas, even though a decade ago had a similar power outage and got a report saying, here's how you winterize all of these types of power generation, they didn't do it. So that's why this is going on. Okay. So um, here are Ted Cruz's explanations for why, in the midst of all this, he decided to go to Cancun and then come back. First, relatively early in the scandal, Ted Cruz's office put out a statement basically throwing his own daughters under the bus saying, quote, with school canceled for the week, our girls asked to take a trip with friends wanting to be a good dad. He just wants to be a good dad. Everybody with wanting to be a good dad. I flew down with them last night and I'm flying back this afternoon. Now, unfortunately, the decision to fly back, quote, this afternoon was not the originally scheduled uh, trip of Ted Cruz. He changed his ticket to fly back immediately, 20 hours after landing, because the story exploded. And uh, we know that Ted Cruz went down there with a bunch of luggage. We later learned he had a flight booked not for Friday, but for the weekend. So he had to change his explanation once that got out. He had intended to stay for several days. Uh, Cruz had the amount of luggage I bring on a 10 day trip, and he wanted us to believe it was a 20 hour trip. So that one imploded very quickly. Then Ted Cruz uh, is interviewed at the Cancun airport on his way back. Let's take a look at that video. So I flew down with them last night, uh, dropped them off here, and now I'm headed back to Texas and back to continuing to work to try to get the power on. What's happening in Texas is unacceptable, and a lot of Texans are hurting. The valiant and brave public servant heading back from a 20 hour trip to get the power back on. Wait a second. It wasn't even a vacation. He was basically just chaperoning the flight down and he was going to work remotely. OK, so then Ted Cruz, upon returning to Texas, agrees to do the big interview with Fox News propagandist Sean Hannity to really clear the air and get back on the in the good graces of the American people. It starts with Sean Hannity sucking up to Ted Cruz. So right after we saw this, we knew it wasn't going to be a real interview. And you were fully and completely engaged. And I know that from my own reporting and my own conversations with you and Governor Abbott and with Joe Bastardi. So a priori before the interview, Sean Hannity already has cleared Ted Cruz of wrongdoing. Great for Ted. So then Hannity keeps doing it, keeps it going and says, listen, you can be a senator and just make a quick round trip to Cancun. I think you can be a father and be the senator of Texas all at the same time and make a round trip, quick drop off trip and come home. Well, Sh Sean, that's right. And, and Hannity uh, barely stopping short there of I would be worried if you weren't going to Cancun in the midst of this senator. What a hero and what a great father you are. Thank you so much. OK, so finally, it's Ted Cruz's turn and he goes into his explanation. Our house was dark. We had no heat. Actually, the fireplace behind me, we were all huddled around the fireplace because it was the only heat in the house. And and after a couple of days after the girls being really cold at being in the teens and the 20s outside, uh, our girls asked, said, look, school's been canceled for the week. Can, can, can we take a trip and, and go somewhere warm? And and Heidi and I as parents, we, we said, OK, sure. And so last night I flew down with them uh, to the beach, uh, and then I flew back this afternoon. I had initially planned to stay through the weekend and to work remotely there, but but as I as I was heading down there, I, you know, I started to have second thoughts almost immediately. So notice there that Ted Cruz 
because he was outed as having a return, uh, a round trip ticket where he wasn't coming back until the weekend. He had to say, I initially planned to stay through the weekend, which is true. But he realized he really should be in Texas, by which he means I got caught. The blaming of the daughters is hilarious, too. And I was thinking, like, what kid demands to go on vacation the next day to Mexico and gets the OK from their parents? Like growing up for me and all of my friends, vacations and trips were planned in advance. Hey, mom and dad, let's go to Cancun tomorrow, like in 12 hours. Sure, let's do it. I'm just trying to be a good dad. This was simply escaping a bad situation in the United States and fleeing across the US Mexico border that way south for a better situation in Cancun. That's all that this was. And then one last clip, which is really funny in continuing to explain the Cancun trip. Ted Cruz casually mentions that a lot of his daughter's friends were over for dinner. There's a pandemic going on. What, what are you doing having multiple kids over for multiple households? Tonight we had a bunch of kids at our house because our house was one of the few houses that had power. And so we had a lot of our daughter's friends were over. We we're making dinner for them. And right about, I don't know, six, six thirty. Boom, the lights go out and we lose power. And so we had a candlelight dinner because that's all we had. We had flashlights and then the girls all camped out. They got in sleeping bags and wrapped up in in uh, in comforters and everything. And then we flew to Cancun and it was all great, Sean. Truly, truly great. So a big explanation from Ted Cruz that, quite frankly, explained nothing other than what we thought, which is Ted Cruz continues to live in his own world. And when the outside world got into his life, he lost power. He decided to flee across the border to the country of Mexico. He should resign. There are many calls for his resignation. He's not going to resign. We'll have more coverage of this on our Instagram at David Pakman show. By the way, if you want to see what happened uh, to my hair, thanks to the wind over the weekend, follow me on Instagram at David It's bizarre and it's probably not something you want to let children see. It's really a uh, it's it's a um, it's a hair disaster, for lack of a better term. Quick break back after this. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. One of our sponsors is Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer owned company shipping super quality CBD directly from their farm to your door. They cut out the middleman, which saves you money and gets you the freshest possible product, which includes tinctures, flour, gummies, skin topicals, even CBD coffee, which I've really enjoyed. The whole team loves Sunset Lake CBD, especially their CBD oil and the gummies. We always say send us more. Every time we run out, CBD is reported as being useful for relieving stress, pain, inflammation. Some people use it before bed to help with sleep. And Sunset Lake is where you want to get your CBD because they pay employees a living wage. Their farm is sustainable. And of course, because they support progressive shows like ours, they're giving David Pakman show listeners 20 percent off when you go to davidpackmancom slash CBD and use the coupon code Pacman. That's coupon code P-A-K-M-A-N. You can find the URL in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors is Magic Spoon, Magic Spoon breakfast cereal, sweet and delicious like the cereals you had as a kid without the sugar. 
magic spoon tastes exactly like the cereal brands we all know and loved as kids, but it has no sugar, only three net carbs and 13 grams of protein. Perfect for anyone following a keto or low carb diet or just anybody wanting to eat less sugar comes in frosted fruity cocoa and their all new flavor peanut butter. That's my favorite magic spoon flavor. Or you can get a variety pack so you can try all four. Magic Spoon is so confident in how delicious their cereal is. They'll give you all of your money back if you don't absolutely love it. They'll give you five dollars off when you go to magicspoon.com slash Pacman. That's magicspoon.com slash P-A-K-M-A-N. You can find the link in the podcast notes for this episode. Welcome back to the David Pakman show. So CNBC has this host, Joe Kernan, who's been around a very, very long time. We've talked about him before. He's previously attacked me on Twitter and he sometimes will do really cringy interviews on CNBC, some of which we've covered in the past. And the last few days were no exception to that. Uh, Joe Kernan invited on an independent energy consultant named Allison Silverstein to talk about what happened in Texas with the storms and the power outage. And it sort of seemed like Joe Kernan was being moderately reasonable during the first part of the interview. But when Allison Silverstein starts to assert her expertise in a way that Joe Kernan doesn't like for political reasons, like, for example, saying even if we continue switching over to renewable energy, to green power, we can winterize. It can be resilient. It can work fine in all sorts of different weather. It started going downhill slowly, slowly, slowly. You see the frustration build for Joe Kernan, where at the end he ends up doing almost like the full prototypical unhinged, flat out climate science denial, bury your head in the sand type stuff. So We'll build to that. We're going to pick it up where Allison Silverstein is explaining that the reason the grid lost power generation capacity was because, as we've now talked about many times, talked about it last week, talked about it earlier today, Texas opted not to winterize many elements of their electrical grid, including coal, natural gas and nuclear plants. And yes, some wind turbines, despite the fact that they were advised to winterize a decade ago when they had similar power outages caused by um, cold weather. And uh, Allison Silverstein also criticizes the isolated nature of Texas's grid. And so let's start there so that we're all on the same page as to how this started going in this bad direction for Joe Kernan. There was uh, all of this happened because of insufficient power plant um, winterization. This was a guideline. It wasn't mandatory. There was a huge chunk of the natural gas supply for Texas power plants that froze up, both at the wellhead level at production and in pipelines. So gas plants couldn't get the fuel that they needed to run. ERCOT under forecast customer demand by 20%, which means that they didn't have enough generation ready to serve customer demand that kept rising as the night got colder and colder. And last, ERCOT's a standalone grid. So they were unable to alleviate these shortages by importing electricity from outside from the rest of Texas. And that's a wonderful idea if you like avoiding federal regulation, but it's a terrible idea if you like protecting reliability against disasters like this. So that uh, sort of sets up her view. And in the second part of this interview, 
it starts to go downhill even after Joe Kernan initially concedes that those initial critiques of wind power and frozen windmills weren't true. Allison Silverstein makes clear that, listen, big picture, even if we switch over more and more to renewable energy, it can be fine in the winter. It's OK. And that's how it starts to get wacky. Well, you pointed out that the I forget what type of energy you called it, but the more conventional energy, natural gas and others that you talked about did were affected by the cold, just like, you know, we're, you know, initially certain people, maybe the governor, maybe, uh, you know, people that that aren't big, aren't big Green New Deal proponents said, well, you know, the windmills froze and the sun went down or went away. So you didn't have solar or or wind. Um, That wasn't true. But because we now know that the the conventional stuff was affected by the, the cold as well. But what about renewables and, and the future that we're, we're looking at. Will will we be ready for adverse weather events if we're uh, if we're much more dependent on this this new age renewable energy? Of, of course we will. I mean, the, the thing is what grid reliability requires that you understand the resources that you have. So Joe starts to get a look of uh, uh, on his face because Allison Silverstein says, of course, we will be ready for weather events under a renewable energy system. And then by the end of it, it's full on climate denialism with Joe Kernan repeating some of these silly things. Oh, oh, they said it was going to get warmer, but the warmer can make it cooler and none of it makes sense. And it's all just silly. Take a look. And and um, we, you, we can you, make a grid much a, more stable with more efficiency. What? I mean, there have been cold spells before in, in Texas. I mean, uh, this was similar to one of what back at how long ago was it? About 35 2011. years ago, right? I mean, it's 2011. What and about and 1990, 1990 yeah. as well. So, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, it's, it's a but kind of a big leap to go to. We didn't learn the lessons. It, it, we well, did we not implement all of the lessons vortex. like winterization. We didn't hear about a polar used to just be cold air from the Arctic. Now it's a polar vortex caused by the warming. So I, I, I need to see the well, I need to see the uh, peer reviewed science on the on, on the and, uh, on and, the warming and, causing the cold. Anyway, Allison, so, so I, do I. I but the, the point is, the atmosphere that, that, that is, is the weather, unsettled. every kind so of weather is getting worse. Right. Uh, okay. And and okay. so we need to plan. Right, we the... need to plan a system that suits much more kinds of really horrible weather. And part of part of improving right. reliability in a we different system yeah. is more transmission. Thank you. Bye. It. OK, thank you, Allison. We appreciate it. So the takeaway here is that anything short of total absolute simplicity in the eyes of a committed climate denier means that they can just write off the entire thing as completely untrue. And of course, you may know, and we've been reporting on this for a decade at this point, The climate data on this has been understood for a very long time, many decades. What was originally sometimes called global warming, which is not inaccurate when you talk about an increase in global temperature, really it's climate change. And it can include, yes, an overall warming of the earth. It can include an overall warming of the oceans on Earth, which by throwing off the balance of the environment, can cause acutely hot and cold spells in individual places over periods of many different years. That is understanding how climate and weather are two different things. 
But Joe Kernan either doesn't get it or doesn't want to get it and takes any opportunity where nuance is required to say, oh, give me a break. Uh, it's global warming, which causes it to be cold. Oh, it's a polar vortex. Come on, guys. It must all just be completely fake. Climate is the extended circumstances over time and place. The whole planet might warm by two degrees. The oceans might warm by two degrees or something hypothetically. And then in terms of weather that can cause lots of high temperature records and low temperature records in different places. It could be extra cold in places that are often warmer. You could have milder summers in places that are typically hotter. You could have more hurricanes or tornadoes or whatever drought as another example. And unfortunately, this is how much of the climate denialism system works. Oh, you used to call it global warming, but now it's too cold in some places. So you change the name checkmate liberals. This is the level on which they're operating. If the oceans are warming, why is it so cold in Texas? Checkmate liberals. Come on. And the saddest part of this is that that type of, of talking point, that type of denialism is really well suited for the party of anti science, which has decried college education as merely liberal indoctrination for a decade now. And although we're making progress over time on more and more people understanding reality, more and more people conceding that, yes, human activity probably does play a role in our changing climate. It is a very slow process. And in the meantime, people like Joe, Joe Kernan uh, can do a lot of damage by making the progress on public opinion on this even slower. And that's exactly what he is trying to do. Pathetic. We've seen this from Joe Kernan before. No indication he's going to stop anytime soon. If you want to see how deep and long lasting the current Republican Party delusion or lies, depending on what you think about them, uh, about the 2020 presidential election are going to last. I have very bad news for you. It looks like the denialism, delusion and lies about the 2020 election are going to last for a very long time. I have video for you from yesterday of top House Republican Steve Scalise. He's the House minority whip or whip, as some say. He went on ABC's this week. He was interviewed by host Jonathan Carl and asked a very simple question. Are you ready to say the election wasn't stolen? Are you ready to say that Donald Trump didn't really win in a landslide, as he claims, and that Joe Biden simply won? He got more votes in enough states to get more than 270 electoral votes. Steve Scalise has asked this question. Listen to the equivocation. Listen to the language choices of Steve Scalise. This is almost March. We are almost four months from this election and Steve Scalise just won't stop. Uh, but clear this up for me. Joe Biden won the election. He is the legitimate president of the United States. The election was not stolen, correct? Look, Joe Biden's the president. Uh, there were a few states that did not follow their state laws. That's really the dispute that you've seen continue on. And, and look, if you're Joe Biden, you probably want to keep talking about impeachment and anything other than the fact that he's killed millions of American energy jobs. That is a 29 second clip, half of which is ang the anchor talking. And still in 15 seconds, Steve Scalise manages to slip in. Look, Joe Biden is the president which is that's a sort of dog whistle. That's code for he is the president, but he didn't win. 
Understand the careful vocabulary choices there. Scalise says there were states that didn't follow their own state laws, by which he means too many people who wanted to vote were able to vote and nobody stopped them with the voter suppression that we were planning. And then he says Joe Biden would rather keep talking about impeachment. No, he wouldn't. Joe Biden hasn't been talking about impeachment since being sworn in. Every time Biden is asked about impeachment, he says, I'm not involved. I wasn't in the Senate when this was uh, d done. I had nothing to do with the House vote. I'm not getting involved since impeachment. Joe Biden also hasn't been talking about it. Joe Biden seems to have no interest in talking about impeachment. Then it continues. And Jonathan Carl tries again to get a straight answer uh, that he continues uh, to. They just signed the Paris Accord. It's going to kill manufacturing jobs in America. But at the end of the day, when you look at where we are in this country, uh, either we're going to address the problems that happen with the election that people are still millions of people are still concerned about. The Constitution says state legislatures set the rules for elections. That didn't happen in a few states. And so going forward, look, Joe Biden's okay, the president. But but does uh, but I, I, I mean, I mean, I, I towards what people are angry about. But 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 Congressman, I know Joe Biden's the president. He lives at the White House. Uh, I asked you, is yeah. he the legitimate president of the United States? And do you concede that this election was not stolen? Very simple question. Please yeah, look, just answer. Yeah, look, it. Once once the elect once the electors are counted, yes, he's the legitimate president. Uh, but uh, if you're going to ignore the fact that there were states that did not follow their own state legislatively set laws, once the electors voted. He's the legitimate president. But and, and of course, there what he means is the electors in some states voted for the person who didn't really win. In some states, Biden got the electoral vote, but he hadn't actually won the popular vote in those states. These are the continued dog whistles. There's a little bit more. Let's take a quick look at it. That's the issue at heart that millions of people still are not happy with and don't want to see happen again. You know, look, we're, you can rehash the election uh, from 2020 all day long, but there are people concerned about what the next election is going to look like. Are we going to finally get back uh, to the way the rule of law works? And I think that's the biggest frustration many people have is okay. those states that didn't follow the law. Are they going to keep doing that in the future? Or are we going to finally get back to what the Constitution calls out for electing our leaders? Imagine saying, as Steve Scalise, a ranking Republican, says, that what people want with elections is to get back to the rule of law, despite Democrats. Trump lost, claimed victory at 2 a.m. on election night, ran a two month campaign claiming it was stolen and that he won in a landslide, had lawyers try more than 50 legal complaints, none of which went anywhere, still refused to concede and then incited a riotous insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th. And Steve Scalise says we need to get back to the rule of law. Well, talk to your own party. Talk to people like Josh Hawley and others. It's just stunning. And then, um, oh, uh, it's separately from this same interview. The topic of January 6th does come up and Jonathan Carl points out Trump still hasn't taken any responsibility for his role in inciting that riot. Check out the mental gymnastics Scalise does here. Just as difficult to get an answer on this one. But uh, but wait a minute. I mean, he, he hasn't taken responsibility. You heard Kevin McCarthy say, I mean, do you agree with what Kevin McCarthy said there, that the president must take responsibility, that the facts demand that he take responsibility for what happened on January 6th? 
Well, first of all, I wrote a Wall Street Journal editorial about uh, where I think the responsibility lays for January 6th, and surely there's a lot of blame to go around, but at the end of the day, the people who stormed the Capitol on January 6th, it was a disgrace, uh, and they need to be held accountable. And in fact, over 180 have already been arrested, and I, I know the FBI is working to root out every person who broke into the Capitol, who attacked police. Uh, there's no I mean, that's, that's that. obvious. I'm, I'm asking about Donald Trump's role in this. You heard, again, Kevin McCarthy. Do you agree with what he said? That he bears responsibility for what happened? Yeah. For what happened well, again, you can, go back, you can go back and look at the impeachment trial, the, the second impeachment trial. It seems like all they've done since the day he walked into office was try to impeach him. But again, when you look at that trial, they ran a clip of pretty much every United States senator who voted to impeach President Trump who talked about... Uh, things like go and fight like hell and other things like that. Even the simplest of questions he will not answer if they would put any kind of blame on Donald Trump. He simply won't do it. And Steve Scalise is remaining as one of the most steadfast defenders of Donald Trump. Absolutely no matter what period. End of story. So the message is if you thought they'd stop defending him anytime soon, not so. And the reason we care about this is not because we need to be reminded again that these people don't care about law and order and don't care about the truth or reality or facts or empiricism or the world as it actually exists rather than as they wish that it would be. The reason this matters is that if they still won't even concede that Trump actually did lose, they aren't going to be um, anything but complete and utter obstructionists for the foreseeable future, which reinvigorates my thought that it's time to stop waiting on Republicans for covid stimulus. It's time for Democrats to pass it via budget reconciliation. Let every single Republican, if they want to vote against it and put themselves at risk of the electoral consequences if their uh, constituents don't like it. But these are the people we're waiting around for the guy who still won't say Trump had something to do with the insurrection and still won't say Trump simply lost. These people can't be counted on for anything, and it's time to just move forward without them. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. One of our sponsors is Privacy, a free service that protects your credit and debit card. I use Privacy every time I buy something online. I installed the app on my phone and the Privacy desktop browser extension. Now, when I pay for anything, Privacy autofills a virtual credit card number. The money's taken out of my bank account. I don't have to give out my real card number or banking info to anyone. You can create and delete the virtual cards anytime. I especially love it for free trials because I can destroy the virtual card number as soon as I give it to the company and I know I won't be charged in the future. Privacy also has a feature called shared cards, which makes it easy to split payments with friends. Parents can manage a virtual card for their kid with spending limits. Businesses can manage virtual cards for employees to use for company expenses. There are premium plans available, but Privacy's regular service is totally free to use. And right now they'll give you five dollars just for signing up. When you go to privacy.com slash Pacman, you can find the link in the podcast notes. If you ever feel like you just don't have enough time to read all the books you want to read, you have to check out one of my favorite apps called Blinkist. Blinkist takes thousands of popular nonfiction books and distills each one down into an ebook or audiobook 
that you can get through in just 15 minutes where you're getting all the key takeaways from the book. Just imagine how you'll be able to expand your horizons and knowledge by being able to soak up all of the important insights from 10 different books in an afternoon. Obviously, it's perfect for exposing yourself to a new book you otherwise wouldn't have time for, or you can use it to revisit a book you've already read or use it to preview a book before you buy the full version and read it. I recently read A Brief History of Time, of course, by the great Stephen Hawking. This is a book that I have been aware of for so long and other things got in the way and it was fantastic to check it out on Blinkist. Blinkist has books on politics, philosophy, science. They have 27 different nonfiction categories and a subscription is only about eight bucks a month and you get access to the entire library, but you can try it totally free and get 25% off a subscription when you go to Blinkist.com slash Pacman. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Pacman. The David Pacman Show at DavidPacman.com. All right, so I have a, a perfect video clip for you today to illustrate one of the biggest ruses that exists on Fox News. In the past, when Fox News has been criticized for their outrageous, cartoonish, right-wing political bias, they'll often say, listen, we have our opinion programming just like any other network, and sure, some of it is, is, is right-wing, it's conservative, it's pro-Republican, but we are also a news station. And during news hours, we are right up there with the best of them in reporting just the facts, just the news. Now, without even looking at today's clip, which I'm going to get to in a moment, understand that Fox News deliberately has blurred the lines between news and opinion for a very long time, for as long as they've existed. And also not that this is their fault due to terrible media literacy in the United States. Much of their audience doesn't realize what is news and what is opinion. Fox News also does something where they will report on what their opinion hosts say during the news hours as if it's news. So Tucker Carlson one night might say something insane on his 9 p.m. show. Uh, and then the next day, the news hours will have a news report about Tucker Carlson said this. Here's a panel to discuss it. So even they are able to take their own opinion programming and put it directly into the news segments. So this news versus opinion distinction has been nonsense from day from day one. But then we have this clip to play of news reporter Bill Hemmer from the news reporting side of Fox News during a news not opinion show called America's Newsroom saying we've got to be careful with this cancel culture stuff because the next thing you know they're going to cancel Bible characters. <laughs> Take a look at the video clip. I tell you if they start canceling these American presidents they're going to come after Bible characters next. Yeah, you could you could mark my word. Yep, wow. Yep, yep. Right. An ominous warning from Bill Hemmer that the cancel culture liberals are going to cancel Bible characters if we allow them to continue. For some reason, the inclusion of mark my words at the end is particularly hysterical. I was sort of chuckling to myself because as ridiculous and silly as this is, 
at least Bill Hemmer is calling them Bible characters rather than historical figures. Now, I don't know if that's his intention. I don't know if we can read too much into his perspective from it, but it is funny. And this is lowest common denominator type stuff. This is what happens when you aren't a victim and your audience aren't victims, at least in the ways they claim to be. Much of the Fox News audience are victims of uh, deficits to our educational system, uh, victims of the power of elites and corporations. And so, OK, fine. But they're not victims in the ways they claim to be victims. And the political interests that they represent aren't victims either. They invent a new victimhood. The war on Christmas was the fabrication of victimhood. Donald Trump as the most unfairly treated person in the world or whatever it was he claimed to be. That's fabricating victimhood with Trump. It was almost like fabricating martyrdom even. And then the saddest, most horrifying part of it is that a significant portion of the country, I don't know the percentage, but it's it's a significant number, sees this and says, yep, that resonates with me. That's a concern of mine. That's the battle. That's my battle that Fox News is waging here. That feels like something really important. They might cancel Bible characters uh, and it ends up being the horrible situation that we have. Of course, the entire cancellation meme that they won't stop with is as pathetic as any specific example, but they've started to get attention with the cancel culture stuff. And so they're going to ride it for as long as they can. Let's do our best not to fall for it. There are some people on the left who fall for the cancel culture stuff. And of course, we can all find instances of wrongful termination or misapplication of terms of service on a platform. But let's not feed into this false notion that everything is just unfairly canceling conservatives who merely want to get their opinions out there. No, we've talked about it before. I'm glad to rehash it again if necessary. That is not what is going on here. We shouldn't allow ourselves to feed the notion because they will just take it. And this is what you end up with. I'll tell you, they're going to cancel Bible characters if we let them keep doing it. No, it's not happening. The uh, tan suit type fake scandals about Joe Biden are quickly ramping up. Last week, we covered Tucker Carlson's uh, explosive reporting about how supposedly Joe and Jill Biden don't really love each other. Their mar- marriage is merely a stage managed public relations strategy. That was last week. This week, we have a clip from Newsmax host Greg Kelly saying that Joe Biden's choice of dog isn't very presidential, referring, of course, to the Biden's senior German shepherd champ and uh, bringing on a panel to discuss this important topic, saying Biden's dog looks like he's from a junkyard. Check this out. Did you see the dog? Let's get I want to show you something I noticed. Doesn't he look a little uh, little rough? I love dogs, but this dog needs a a bath and a comb and uh, all kinds of love and care. I've never seen a dog in the White House uh, like this. I remember Buddy. I remember Millie. I remember lots of dogs, but not a dog who seems, I don't know. I don't know how much love and care he is getting. Let's bring in the historians. 
I, I'm having fun with this, obviously, but I, I, I do want to talk about some stuff. Craig Shirley, Reagan biographer, presidential historian. Craig, welcome back. And Doug Weed, presidential historian, former advisor to George H.W. Bush. That's the White House where I remember Millie. Millie had like a staff and they really took care of her. Very beautiful dog. This dog looks like from, I'm sorry, from the junkyard. And I love that dog, but he looks like he's not been well cared for. No, not, not <laughs> at all. Thank you for having us. Uh, no, he looks very dirty and disheveled and uh, very unlike a presidential dog like uh, Millie or Victory or something else in the past in the, uh, pre in the White House. This isn't the right type of dog for the White House. Trump didn't have a dog. Trump seemed unable to understand a thing about human dog relationships. A junkyard dog, which one of the so-called presidential experts brought onto the panel to discuss this, says was a, a disheveled and dirty dog. This is Obama's tan suit redux, but extra stupid because it's not even about Biden. It's about Biden's dog. This is Obama's mustard choices are bougie again. Joe Biden has the wrong type of dog for the White House and the dog doesn't look right. And look at what they are doing. They have a panel on which Craig Shirley, a presidential historian, says champ looks very dirty and disheveled and very unlike a presidential dog. Do you really need an historian to tell you that? Or maybe you could get just one of the people who held one of those 10 foot Trump flags in Palm Beach, Florida on President's Day. I don't know that you need an expert if this is the type of opinion that you're looking for. Another manufactured right wing scandal. These during presidential administrations of Democrats, these completely imaginary right wing scandals are as certain, I guess, as death and taxes, death taxes and tan suit type scandals. Now, was this a deliberate deflection from the Ted Cruz fiasco that was going on? I don't know. Are right wingers against rescue dogs now? It has to be a designer dog from a breeder to meet their standards and to be suitable for a president as far as they're concerned. This is more confirmation about how different these two sides of American politics are. I'm the first to say on many issues, Democrats and Republicans are too similar. There's not enough daylight between them. But we've talked about real policy differences. And when it comes to substance versus fluff, under Barack Obama, the scandals were tan suits, mustard types, that type of thing. Under Trump, it was, hey, what about the emoluments clause? What about asking foreign powers for help getting reelected? What about putting the U.S. on the road to authoritarianism? Those were the concerns. Now Joe Biden is president and it's Joe and Jill Biden's love is fabricated. And Joe Biden has the wrong type of dog who's dirty. And to be clear, there are already serious critiques of Joe Biden, but they're not the ones that right wing media wants to make. As, as I've been saying for weeks, what is going on with covid relief? That's a real question. Joe Biden said right away. Checks are going out. It's almost March. There's still no deal. That's real. Biden said he would stop deportations in order to figure out what to do about immigration. He did one executive order. A judge blocked it and he's done nothing else. He could do more executive orders. We talked about that in detail earlier today. There are criticisms of Joe Biden. They're not the ones that Fox News, OAN and Newsmax want to make. And the desperation of the right wing to make any Democrat look bad is pathetic. If you have to insult a dog, you're really hitting rock bottom. And these people are truly and completely disgusting. 
We have a voicemail number that is two one nine two David P. That number is available anytime. If it's two a.m. and you've got a hankering for leaving me a voicemail, you can do it at two one nine two David P. Here is a caller. As I understand, this is a complicated voicemail. I believe that this is a white caller who is mad that uh, he is hating white people because of left wing shows. I think that's what he's saying. And there's also a cat in the background, second only to having the David Pakman show playing in the background when you leave a voicemail is having an animal making noise in the background. Let's take a listen. Hey, David. Uh, I'm calling in. I wanted to ask, I mean, do you realize that that I'm probably (laughs) not one of the only, but you're actually not your show uh, in itself. But you're radicalizing the left in in a certain way. You know what I mean? Because I feel like, man, like the the rotten that you show in in the efforts to show how rotten the the right is, which they are, it's all white people. I don't want to hate white people. I'm half white myself. I'm half white, half black. But goddamn, man, I'm done with this shit, man. I'm I'm done with these crazy ass white people always doing bull and talking bull and trying to make up bull. It, it, it's fucking ridiculous, man. It's dumb. Like I can't stand these people. Like I laughed when I heard that 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 what's his name died. Uh, moron. Rush. Just, Come on, man. Like, preach some love somewhere. So- I, I don't know. Is this person upset with me? Is he upset with what he believes are disproportionately white actors in the Republican Party, which, of course, would be accurate? Is the cat upset with him that won't stop me, uh, making noise in the background? I don't really know what to make of that call. It's very interesting. But I, I truly don't know what to make of it. Maybe someone can explain it to me. We have a fantastic bonus show for you today. Citibank wired five hundred million dollars by mistake and a judge says they can't get it back. Very interesting story. After uh, an engine failure, dozens of Boeing triple sevens have been grounded in the United States and Japan. And there is some very interesting backstory here, and we will talk about all of it on the bonus show. And lastly, there is a teachers union that is now saying, let's reopen schools. If the NFL could figure out how to do it, let's do it. Now, of course, the NFL also had very particular resources when it comes to testing and and other things which it's unclear school districts would have. But it is a very interesting shift we are seeing from some school districts. It'll be a good opportunity to review coronavirus numbers, uh, to look at deaths, hospitalizations, vaccinations and many other things. So all of those stories and more happening today on the bonus show, get instant access to the bonus show by becoming a member at joinpacman.com. It's quick, it's easy, it's painless, it's cheap. And you can use the coupon code better 21 to get a powerful discount off of the membership of your choice. Sign up at joinpacman.com. We will see you then. And we've got a great week of shows coming up for you this week.